the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Church of the Redeemer in Gatorsburg, Maryland. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Oftentimes when people ask about a relationship with another person and how is it going, uh, sometimes you'll hear an answer like this, well, it's complicated. Anyone ever heard that before? You know, it's kind of complicated. The relationship's a little difficult right now. It's complicated. We can't quite figure out exactly where we are. There's some challenges that we feel, and that's very normal for any relationship to go through challenges because every relationship is the combination of two very unique personalities, different backgrounds, different experiences, and they're coming together to try to experience unity. And it can be quite messy at times. It can be rewarding at times as well, but certainly there are times when it is difficult. There's times when there's conflict and tension and stress in the relationships. And unfortunately, because of this, what happens is sometimes in some situations, we find ourselves sort of in a war zone. This often happens in homes, families, marriages. There's kind of a war going on between husband and wife. It may not be an outright hot sort of war zone, but sometimes it's a cold war zone, and they're just simply not uh, communicating the way they would like to communicate, and problems exist in the relationship. To be able to have a marriage, to make your marriage work, you and I have to apply this principle that we're looking at together, and the principle that we looked at last week and we're looking at this weekend as well is this, to make marriage work, you must do what? You must pursue peace. What is the opposite of war? Peace. And so for any marriage to work, or really for any relationship to work, there must be a pursuit of peace, something that you actually go after. Because if you don't go after peace, you will have certainly some dimension of war. The scripture is very clear about this from Romans chapter 12, verses 17 and 18. Listen to this as I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Notice where the emphasis is. Do all that you can that has put all of your effort into establishing living in peace with other people. This is a choice that you and I make, a pursuit that we make in our lives. Think about it with me for a moment. If you did everything that you could to live in peace with everyone around you, would your world be different? And this is the call that God has given to us. Now, we must understand that to have this kind of peace in our relationships, it starts with peace with God. You can't have peace with others unless you're at peace with God. You can't be at war on the inside in your own life spiritually and expect to have peace in your relationships around you. And so it starts with peace with God. And out of that peace with God, there flows a peace in relationships as we pursue it. But it must be pursued. Do all that you can. That is, there's effort involved in the process. So today I'm going to share with you three things that will help you to do all that you can to live in peace with other people. Three more that we'll look at today. And the first one today is this. If you and I are going to do all that we can to live in peace, we have to address pain points positively. 
The phrase that I want you to capture here first is this phrase, pain points, because every relationship will have pain points. A pain point is a moment in the relationship or an environment in the relationship where you're experiencing some level of hurt or disappointment that you're experiencing between you and that other person, some kind of stress or conflict that's happening. It just feels painful. The relationship hurts at some level. There's something that's not working the way it needs to work, and you may find yourself frustrated. And every relationship has its pain points. Not a single person that's ever had a relationship with another individual has been able to avoid pain points because we are so different. We're sinful. We're self-centered. We're insensitive. We're hurtful. We do all. We do things at times that actually create pain in our interactions with other people. And while it's important to learn how to overlook some of the pain points at times, you can't address every pain point. But there are certain times that it's important that you know how to talk your way through pain points. You have to learn how to communicate. You have to learn how to resolve conflict. So I'm going to share with you some scriptures, first of all, that highlight this. Then we'll look at some very specific steps that you can take to address pain points positively. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Note this word. You have to work for it. It's not going to come. It's something that you have to put some effort in. Jesus made, made this statement. You have to put effort. There's work. One translation says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. Look at this, this verse. Make every effort. Notice this. There's effort involved. Work is involved. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So you've got to work. You have to put effort into experiencing again this thing called peace. I'm going to walk you now through 12 things that you can do when there's pain in a relationship that will help you to get back on the right side of that pain, a positive side of that pain. So let's take a look at these 12 things together. Number one, you have to own your own bad behavior and own your own bad attitudes. Anytime that you have pain in a relationship, it starts with you not pointing the finger at someone else, but pointing the finger at yourself because you will never heal hurts by blaming someone else. Then you begin, notice this next one, begin by affirming your commitment to love and peace. If you're having a conversation with someone where there's been a conflict, you first own your own issues, and then you say, you know what, as we're going to talk about this, I want you to know that I really do love you, I care about you, I'm committed to you, I'm committed to the relationship. Um, If it's marriage, I'm committed to the marriage, I'm committed to us finding peace in this. We're not enemies, we're friends. We're not against one another, we're for each other. We are on, notice this, we are on the same team. And so instead of fighting one another, instead of fighting a person, we're now addressing a problem. And there's a big difference in the way that you approach a problem versus approaching a person. You're approaching a problem together. Let's team up on this problem together. We are in this together. So you affirm your commitment to love and your commitment to peace. The third thing that is essential if you're going to experience uh, this positive resolution of conflict is to use I feel or I experience statements instead of you make me statements. You know what a you make me statement is? You make me statement is when there's a conflict that happens in an environment, a family interaction, a relationship, you say something like, you make me so mad. What you did in that moment is you put the responsibility of your madness on somebody else, right? 
But when you say, you know what, I just want you to know that when that happened, I felt or I experienced this in my life. I'm not sure if I'm accurate about it, but this is what I felt. Then you're, you're causing the environment to, to be more settled and peaceful and harmonious for resolution. The next one, very important principle. You have to consider how you're contributing to the problem and be willing to, be willing to say with me. So you now you got this conflict going on and everything in a conflict always again comes back to this thing. It goes back to Genesis. We always want to blame somebody else, but you've got to think through this thing and say, okay, we've got this pain point in our relationship. I wonder what I'm doing that's contributing to this. Then now I'm going to be willing to admit it, not just think it, but I'm going to actually say, you know what? I'm bringing something bad to the table as well that I need to address in my life. And then the next one, vital as well, address problems clearly. Don't blame, don't name call, or don't attack. Name calling always shuts down communication. It never opens communication. It always shuts it down. And then remove the drama. Let me, let me remind you of this. This is so important, okay? Drama happens in all of our lives, all of our relationships. But when drama happens, what happens is when I'm being dramatic, then in a relationship, then the other person has a tendency then to ramp their drama up. And then once they ramp their drama up, I'm going for an Oscar. Okay, I got to have something better than that. All right. And so I'm going to ramp my, my drama up. And before long, we've gone down a very negative pathway and cycled down to some very ugly things that really gets us nowhere in terms of resolving our conflicts. The next one is a Avoid what? Generalizations. That's the key word. What is a generalization? Here's a generalization. You always. You never. Now, as soon as someone says that to you, what happens in your mind? Your mind begins to start clicking away at the time you didn't do what they said you always do, right? You never, your mind starts clicking away at trying to find the time that you actually did what they said you never do. And so instead of it being able to bring good resolution, generalizations, actually it's not really even true because none of us always do certain things or never do certain things. And so what it does, again, it creates a defensive environment. The next one that is vital here as we have to listen, and that means to do what? really listen. There's a difference in listening and really listening to, to really listen. And this is a tough thing to learn. It's not something that most of us are good at. It's not something that most of us actually enjoy doing. Most of us listen because we have to so that we can get past what they're saying so we can say what we want to say. Okay. It's sort of a necessary evil in our minds. I've got to listen to this so that then I can say what I need to say. Okay. But real listening is what brings about resolution. Real listening is what brings about understanding. You never have understanding without listening until you listen to another person and really listen for what's going on on the inside. You're not going to resolve anything in the relationship. And really listening means that you're listening beyond the words to the heart. Okay, Really listening. All these are extremely important biblical principles. Then be what? teachable. Have an attitude that as you're going through a conflict that you can learn something about yourself. Don't be defensive. And then the next one, accept apologies. How? Graciously. When somebody apologizes to you, don't make them grovel until you feel like they've groveled enough. And then now they're at a place where, okay, now I'll forgive you. No, you want to be gracious and forgiving to them to accept their apologies graciously. The next one is vital as well. We've got two more here to look at. Give attention and space for what? Repair and recovery. When there's been an argument that's happened in a marriage or any relationship, what happens is this. Not only do your emotions get involved in an argument, 
your body does too. Actually, interestingly enough, there's an Old Testament word that's used for the word, the Hebrew word anger. And the Hebrew word for anger in the Old Testament actually means the flaring of the nostrils. So anytime you see the word anger in the Old Testament, you can, you can know that the actual word relates to the flaring of the nostrils. If you notice that when you get mad, your nose gets bigger, you know? <laughs> It really does, okay? Now, for some of us, that's horrible because our noses are already big enough, okay? And so now we've got an expanded, you know, dimension of that. But that's exactly what anger means in the Old Testament, the flaring of the nostrils. Why? Because when you get angry, there are physiological things that happen inside of you. Your blood pressure goes up. Your heart rate increases. All this, uh, psychologists refer to it as the emotional flooding is what it's referred to. And so the emotions flood you and you don't think straight, okay? Anytime that you are emotional, you don't think the right way, okay? That's why it's so important to grab hold of your thinking when you're feeling emotional because your thinking is not straight. That's why people do really dumb things when they're emotional because they're, they're not thinking straight. Their physiological aspects, even of their brain chemistry, is being affected by it. And so once there's been a conflict and you're working your way through it, what you need to do is you need to, you got to let your body catch up, amen, okay? you got to give your body a moment to repair and to recover. And sometimes it's best just to have a little bit of space right there so that you can recover. And I think sometimes... Couples want everything to be fixed right away, okay? We had an argument. Now let's be all right. My heart rate is still like 125, okay? okay. And so you need the ability just to let everything get back where there's a perspective that you have. And so it's vital to make sure you give physiologically even opportunity for repair and for recovery. And then the final thing is learn to do what? Let go. What I mean by that is this. Don't carry conflicts forward, okay? Don't create a history account. Remember that in life and in relationships, you are going to face conflict situations. It's going to happen, and you and I need to learn to respond appropriately. And one of the major things to remember about this is how you use your words. Let me give you one last verse in this particular section, and we'll move on to our, our final two points today. Ephesians four twenty nine through 32. And never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. They might come from somebody else's mouth, but not from your mouth, Okay. But instead, let your words become, notice this, beautiful gifts that encourage others. I like the way the, the Passion Translation says it. Let's, let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted His holy influence in your life. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults, but instead be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? That's a question, by the way. That the answer is yes to, has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. So make the decision in your life that you're going to learn how to process, address pain points positively. The second thing is extremely important as well as we talk about how to pursue peace. That's to learn how to accept imperfection. When it comes to our imperfections, here's the, the contradiction that we have as human beings. We all, when we are imperfect, what do we want from other people? Understanding, right? If I'm imperfect, I want understanding from you. I want mercy from you. I want grace from you. I want forgiveness from you if I'm imperfect. 
But when you're imperfect, what do I have the tendency to give you? Judgment and anger and condemnation. So what we have a tendency to want one thing for ourselves and to give something else to others. That's the way it works, okay? We want mercy, but we tend to give out judgment, okay? And so what we need to learn in our life is to learn how to bring these two together and to understand that we not only need mercy, but we need to be givers of mercy. And here's why this is a problem. When you see imperfection in another person, person, the reason that you oftentimes go toward that judgment toward them, condemning them, is because we all can fall into this pattern of trying to fix other people. Now you've shown me an imperfection, so it's now become my job, my assignment from God to fix you, that God has placed a badge on my shoulder. I am now deputized to arrest and fix you. And so many issues happen in relationships because once we see an imperfection, we kind of want to be the fixer. And I want to talk to you about how to fix the fixer today. If you have a tendency to want to fix other people, there's some things you and I need to realize. Number one, you need to realize that you're not perfect, right? Notice what the Scripture says about this. Isaiah 53, verse 6, we all like sheep have what? Gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's talking about Jesus, a prophetic messianic prophecy about Christ. And here's the reason we needed Jesus as Savior is because everybody's a sinner, okay? There's not a single one of us that's not broken. I needed Jesus to die on the cross, not for your sins. I needed him to die for my sins, okay? I needed a Savior. You needed a Savior. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. The Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Proverbs 17, 9, notice this. Love what? Overlooks the mistakes of others. Oh, my goodness. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? But dwelling on the failures of others does what? It devastates friendships. You see that in the scriptures? Okay. Listen to it again. Love overlooks the mistakes of others, but dwelling on the failures of others, that means that others will have failures, right? Okay. Dwelling on the failures of others does what? It devastates relationships. And a lot of the reasons that relationships are devastated is because somebody is dwelling on the failure of somebody else, and that's all they can get in their mind, all right? Let's take a look at the next one here. First Peter chapter 4, verse number 8. The Bible says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For what does love do? Love covers a multitude of sins. So love covers, it overlooks, it covers sin. It doesn't try to make someone look bad. It tries to bring a covering over them. So you, you and I have to let go of our expectation for perfection. It does not exist. And when you're talking about pursuing peace, you have to accept the reality of imperfection. The final point I give you today is this, when you need to choose to become better and not bitter. A lot of people get married thinking that marriage is going to make them happy. It's a myth. I hope that your marriage is making you happy, at least sometimes, okay? The real goal of marriage, actually, from God's perspective, was really not about making you happy. Really, the whole goal of marriage is to make you, I'm going to give you another word here. Are you ready for this? Make you holy. God puts us in relationships 
for the sake of helping us to grow. And the word holy, just so you understand what it means, sometimes we get a little confused about that word. We think it's something we could never really uh, aspire to. Only God is holy and indeed he is holy. But the word holy, let me just help you understand kind of what it means. If God is holy, then to be holy is to be like God or to be godly. Okay, that's really what godliness is, is to be more like God, to take on his nature, to take on his character, to become more like he is. And so God God puts you, puts you in relationships, not always to make you happy, but he puts you in relationships to make you what? Holy. Why? Because you need other people to grow. Joy is found not in pursuing the happiness, but joy is found in pursuing, pursuing the holiness. When you pursue the holiness, you also get, as, a, as, a, as an additional element, you get the happiness that goes along with it. And so wholeness and holiness is what makes you happy. And so you and I need to come to the place of realizing that there are going to be some times in life when there's going to be some rub that's going to happen in your relationships. And the reason that happens is because God... God is trying to bring out the holiness in you. He's trying to do something in you that can't happen in isolation. It can't happen when you're all by yourself, when you're all alone. It can only happen when you're interacting with people. If you're single here today, that's why you need people in your life. You may not be married. That's okay. Find some people that you can grow with and learn from and develop with because you can't grow in isolation. Okay. In James chapter 1, dear brothers, brothers and sisters, this is the living Bible. Is your life full of difficulties and temptations? It's a question. Is your life full of difficulties and temptations? Then be, huh? Then be what? That doesn't make any sense, right? If you're, is your life full of difficulties and temptations? Then, I mean, at least complain about it. Do something like that, right? Okay, that'd be the thing I would want, right? No, then be happy. Why would he say something like this? For when the way is rough. When it's rough, when it's tough, your, your, your patience, your endurance has a chance to grow. What, what have we been talking about? Growing into godliness. So let it grow. That's a choice that you make. You let it grow. Make the choice. This is an implied pronoun there is you. You let it grow. Make a choice. You're going to grow through this. And don't try to squirm out of your problems. Isn't it amazing how God can look down? I'm sure at times he sees us like trying to squirm out of stuff, right? Okay. And God put us in things and allowed things to happen in our life. And we're trying to squirm out. Don't try to squirm out of your problems. When your patience, your endurance is finally in full bloom, then you will be ready for anything strong in character, full and complete. Notice that. Sometimes the difficulties that you're going through in your, your relationships of life, it's really is one of those one of those environments that God allows you to be in so that this very thing can happen to you. And don't try to squirm out of your problems because when you try to squirm out of them, you miss the very opportunity that are in them. Your muscles only get stronger when you actually go to the gym or go to a piece of exercise equipment that has one objective in mind to resist you. Every barbell you pick up, every piece of exercise equipment that you use has one objective. I'm going to make it hard for you to move me. That's the objective of a, of a barbell. It's just an objective of any exercise machine. I'm going to stand in the way of you moving me. I'm going to make you push as hard as you can possibly push because what will happen in the pushing is this. In the pushing, 
you will strain and stress those muscles in such a way. And I'm, I'm certainly not a physician, so I can't tell you exactly all the details of this. But what I understand is there are certain microfibers in your muscles that actually begin to tear when you push against resistance. And there's a tearing process that happens. And then when they grow back, they actually grow back stronger. They're stronger or bigger than they were before. And so it is in the pushing that there's some pain. That's why we often say no pain, no gain because if you don't have some pain you'll have no gain in your life you'll have no forward momentum no forward growth and so sometimes God puts you in a situation and there are problems in your life or problems in your relationship and God's saying I put you I want you to learn to push okay I want you to learn how to resist I want you to learn how to pray like you've never prayed before I want you to learn how to get into my word like you've never gotten into my word before I want to drive you deeper into me than you've ever been before I'm going to cause this to be a point of, yes, there's some resistance there, but if you will press in, if you will press through, you'll come out stronger on the other side. You'll come out stronger on the other side. And when you come out stronger on the other side, you become strong in what? Character. Full and complete and ready for anything. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing. You may feel overwhelmed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.